Hey, New Life Gillette Church, we are thrilled you decided to listen to our teaching on your favorite podcast app. If you made a decision to follow Christ today, would you let us know by visiting yes.newlifegillette.com? All right, I'll stop talking now. Here is this week's teaching. I love Labor Day weekend. It's just one of my favorite weekends of the year. And so because of that, welcome. For those of you who are willing to show up here this morning, some of you traveled from Illinois to be with us here today, man. It's great to have you with us visiting some family here today. For those of you watching online, for their friends over to prison to jail, it's always good to be with all of you. And Labor Day weekend is a, it's a great time of year for me because I love heading into the fall. I love everything about this season. I, yesterday, my my wife was laughing at me. My son was laughing at me because I was watching four different college football games at the same time, just jumping from one to the other, just having a blast with that. I love watching football. I love, you know, the hunting season that's going on already. And I love the cold temperatures of the fall, like today, right? It's supposed to be fall. The bad thing about Wyoming, and I think you all understand this, that we look forward to the cool fall temperatures and we hope we have them for at least two weeks before the snow starts, right? But it's a great time of year. I love Labor Day. You know, they started this holiday many years ago and for two reasons. Number one, the federal government decided we don't have enough days off in the year. And there was this big gap between July 4th and Thanksgiving. And so we needed to find that middle spot. So the first Monday of September, they decided, Okay, now what are we gonna celebrate? Well, let's celebrate work by taking a day off work. So that's what we're doing this week. Some of you don't get that and I understand, but you know, Labor Day is such a great time. And so since we're thinking about laboring and since we're thinking about work, I thought we'd answer a good question. What does God have to say about work? Does God have it? Yes, the answer is yes. God has a lot to say about work. There's so many great things that we can find in God's word to help us better understand work. And so we'll be looking at some of that today. You know, as we think about work, a lot of times for many of us, we start thinking about the jobs that we have worked over the course of our lives. And some of us have worked several different jobs. Some of you, maybe you're in your very first job. Some of you, maybe you haven't had your first job yet. And so as I think about my journey, you know, my very first job that I got a paycheck at was an interesting job, especially because I became a pastor eventually, but this was my first job. I cleaned hearses. Yeah, I worked at a funeral home and the Heath Funeral Home, the small town that I grew up in, they needed somebody to clean flower petals out of hearses. Do you know how many flowers die in funeral homes? I know, that's a joke. Do you know how many jokes we could share about my first job? There's a lot of them, we're not gonna go there. But I cleaned so many flower petals for the couple years when I was in high school that I worked in for this place. And it, it was a great job to help me learn for later on being a pastor. But you know, that was my first job. And then after I went off to college during my summer, my dad worked at a factory and I got a summer job at the factory. And one of the horrible things that I had to do at this factory was work one of these machines. It's called a sandblaster. Anybody ever work a sandblaster before? There's a couple of you out there. And this, they're not fun. We, we created these little plastic parts in this factory that would go into computers eventually. But sometimes those little plastic parts would get little edges on them. And so we had to blast those little edges off. And so you would 
you would lean into this thing, you'd put your hands through these holes and you'd lean in and look through this window and you would hold those in there as the sand blasted. Now I worked at this job on the 11 to seven shift, so the late night shift. I would go into this job many times very tired because I didn't sleep enough as a college student, you know? And so I'd go into it. And so every once in a while, you'd be working that job, very monotonous, boring job. It's kind of like what you guys do when I'm preaching. You know, you just, every once in a while, you just start doing the old Bob, right? Well, the bad thing is if you did that, number one, you smacked your face on the glass. Number two, all the static that built up from that sandblasting going on, when your face would touch that, it would shock you so much. My toes would pucker. It was just not a good thing. But the good thing is you're awake for a while to continue your job. You know, and then after, the, after I graduated college, I started doing some civil engineering work, did that for about seven years. And then I jumped into what God called me to as a pastor. And I've been doing this for about 22 years, except for about six years ago, I took a year off from pastoring. I just needed a break. And so I went and worked in a warehouse. I picked boxes up and I put them down and I picked them up and I put them down. It was a great year. I had great people that I worked with and I I loved that year off. You know, as we think about work though, a lot of times we're just thinking about the jobs that we work to get a paycheck. But work is so much bigger than that. It has, it's a bigger thing that we need to focus on to get an understanding of what God has to say to us. So let's get a good definition of work. And so I checked out Google Dictionary, and it's, this is their definition. An activity involving mental or physical effort done in order to achieve a purpose or a result. So it's not just a job, there's something bigger to that. Another great definition, Marcus Buckingham, a great leader guru says this. He says, anything of value that you create for yourself or someone else anything of value that you create for yourself or someone else. So you think of all the different places where we can allow these definitions to apply. If you work at the hospital, you are hopefully working to help create healthy bodies. If you're a teacher, you're helping to create educated people. If you are a student, are you awake up there, guys? If you're a student, that work that you're doing, schoolwork and homework, is helping to create educated brains. If you are a stay-at-home parent, we are working on creating an environment where our children can become developed. For all of us in our homes, hopefully we all have some kind of chore or work that we do in our homes to create an environment where we can live life. You know, here at the church, we have work that we do. For some of you, you go downstairs and you work with the, uh, the, the children down there, creating an environment where children can learn God's big story. Some of you are getting ready to be life group leaders starting into this new semester coming up and you're gonna create an environment where people can grow closer to Jesus. You host team out there, handing out donuts and shaking hands at the door. You are creating an environment where people will come to the door and feel like it's welcome home. There's all kinds of work that we do. We, for many of us, we created breakfast this morning for ourselves, or maybe for someone else. We create things, we work by doing these things. So if that's what work in general is, now we go back to our question, what does God have to say about work? No matter whether you're retired, whether you're young, student, what does God have to say that we can learn from this? And there's a lot of different things we can look in scripture that God shares with us about work. We're gonna look at three primary areas. The first one is this, the opportunity to work is a gift from God. Now, some of you might say, wait, work? 
Work is a gift from God? Do I want to unwrap this present, right? Because we look at work maybe differently, but let's see what God has to say. And it goes all the way back to the very beginning of God's story. All the way back to Genesis chapter one, we see God creating. It goes like this, Genesis one, it says, so God created human beings in his own image. So God starts by him doing the work. He created everything else, and then he created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So God creates first, and he gets all the world created, then he creates us, but he creates us on purpose for a purpose. What's the purpose? Let's see. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. So that's the first work that he gives us. We need to get busy. Where's my wife? Oh, there she is. Hi, honey. We need to get busy, honey. Get to work. Let's move on. After we fill the earth with people, what does he have in store for the people after we fill the earth? He says, fill the earth so that you can govern the earth. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So God says, I'm going to create the world. I'm going to create you humans. I'm going to create you for a purpose. Fill the earth with people so that you can oversee, so you can manage, so you can reign over the world that I gave you. He spells this out a little more. If you jump into chapter two of Genesis, he tells a story this way. It says, then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man that he had made. So God created Eden, paradise. Sin hadn't entered the world yet. God created paradise. You need to hear this. This is paradise. Did God create paradise and put man and man and woman in paradise just so they can live a great life? Well, yes. But what was part of living that great life in paradise? Jumping down to next verse. Then the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to do what? To tend and to watch over it. Work was part of paradise. God created man and woman on purpose for a purpose. And that was so that they could have a great work to carry out, to take care of the world that God gave. So God, from the very beginning, he has this message for us. Get to work. Because work is a gift from God. God gives us this opportunity to work as a gift. Now, some of you might still be scratching your heads, and I get that. You know, we were doing this, it was a few weeks ago that I was in a men's life group. We were hanging out together and talking about heaven this day. And as part of the discussion about heaven, we asked the question, you know, what are some of those images, you know, that come to mind when you are thinking about heaven? And being in a men's group, some of the normal ones that you would think about, uh, the first guy said, well, I, I picture a beautiful mountain lake or a beautiful mountain stream where we can be up there just fishing all day long. Sounds great, doesn't it? Another guy who loved to golf, he said, well, I just picture a beautiful, lush golf course where we can just golf all day long. Another guy said, I picture a beach. And we threw him out of the men's group because it just didn't seem to fit there. <laughs> but then there was this other guy. It was a guy that had retired about two years prior. And this guy, he says, you know, I really hope that when we get to heaven, that God just has some awesome work for us to do. And we all paused and we kind of looked at each other like, is this guy serious? Was he nuts? He just retired. Surely that's not what he's thinking, but he was serious. 
Now he would be first to say, you know, having the extra time to go hunting and, and go fishing, he's been doing a lot of that, extra time to hang out with, with family, with grandkids. He was loving that, but this is a man who had a great career, loved his job. He did some great things in his journey. And all of a sudden, for the last year to two years, he was like floundering a little bit because he lost some of that purpose that he had. He would have understood this message that God shares in the very beginning, that we are created on purpose for a purpose. And a part of that purpose is work, where we create things to bless ourselves and to bless others. You know, for so many of us in our jobs throughout the week, we have this kind of a mindset. We think TGIF, right? Thank God it's Friday. We can't wait for Friday to get here to get that break. And, you know, and I heard from a, one person who was saying, but you pastors only work one day a week. So is it like TGIF or not F, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of all the days? No, we actually work two days here at New Life because we have a big church. But for many of us, that's our mindset. We think TGIF. We can't wait for the day off. Okay, we're Christians. We should look forward to a Sabbath day of rest, right? That is something that God instills in us. We need a day off. We need a day to take a break and to spend time together with other believers and worship and, and to serve each other in different ways, to love each other. But on that Sabbath day, if we are Christians, if we truly believe that work is a gift from God, shouldn't we also be thinking this way? Shouldn't we be looking forward to the opportunity to get back into the work that God has given us as a gift? Now, I get it. There's a few of you out here that when you go to your job, it's a tough place to go because maybe because of the business you work for, it's just not a great environment, or maybe some of the people that you work alongside of are a little toxic. I get that. I work alongside Pastor Mike. <laughs> you know, we can't always control the environment or the other people that we work alongside of. But we can control the heart that is focused on a God who gives us work as a gift so that we might enter that work with a different type of work ethic, a different type of attitude in how we approach that work that's in front of us. So number one, the opportunity to work as a gift from God. Number two, a good work ethic brings blessings. So to understand, what's an ethic? You know, some, we throw this idea around a good, good work ethic. What's an ethic? Well, ethics are simply a behavior that comes from what we believe. For instance, is there anybody out here that believes in gravity like I do? There's a few of you, that's good. Because gravity is, you know, we, we believe that, right? And because of that, I am not gonna go up to the top of our church and jump off. Because I know that it's not gonna be a smart thing to do because I believe that gravity is gonna hurt me if I do that. It's very simple, right? What I believe to be true is carried out in how I behave. This morning, I tied my shoes because I believe that if my shoes are untied, there's a chance I might fall off the stage. And we don't want that to happen. Very simply, the things that we believe are carried out in how we behave. That is a ethic. All right, well, how do we apply this now? How do we understand what are God's ideas for what a good work ethic looks like? We're gonna be jumping into a great book that has all kinds of nuggets in it that talk about 
laziness and work and how we can best understand that and honoring God in how we enter our work. For instance, Proverbs chapter six, verses six through nine. This is a great image. Wait till you get this. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. <laughs> so we're looking at bugs now so we can better understand how to have a work ethic. Learn from their ways and become wise. So we're gonna learn how to have a great earth work ethic by watching the ants, by watching how they do. Well, what do they do? Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? So God wants us to understand that here's these little ants. And they, these ants understand their purpose in life. They understand that if they carry out the, their purpose, that there's going to be blessings in the long run. If they work hard all summer long, doing the things that they need to do, then when winter comes, they're going to have the blessed, blessings of having food on their table. God says for us, if we have that ethic of working hard, then we will be blessed. But if we're lazy bones... If we're falling asleep at the wheel and not carrying out the purpose of the work that God has given to us as a gift, then we're going to miss out on some of the blessings, both for ourselves and for others who we're supposed to be creating something for. Another great passage, chapter 10, verse 4 in Proverbs. Lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. Now, for many of us, when we read this passage, we're very quickly thinking of the paycheck, aren't we? We're thinking that we're going to get our money in our bank account if we work hard. But that's not just the only thing that this passage is talking about. It's talking in generalities of poor and rich. For instance, students, you awake up there still? Thumbs up? I got a couple thumbs up. All right, so they're still awake. If you guys as students, if you are doing good schoolwork, and good homework, then you will have a rich education. But if you are poor, or if you are lazy in your schoolwork, then your education is gonna be poor. If you're cheating, you're gonna get poor and you're not gonna get a great education. For those of us who are maybe stay-at-home parents, if we are stay-at-home parents and we are trying to create an environment for our children to get developed, well, if we're lazy, the environment that we're creating is going to be poor and our children will be poor in their development. You see it? If you're a coal miner, if you are poor in your work ethic, if you're lazy, then you will be poor in the energy that you produce. And there's a chance you might become poor financially too, because you might end up losing your job. Here at New Life, if you're on the host team, if, if all of you are just out there drinking coffee and sit around talking to yourself, then we're going to have a poor environment welcoming people coming through the doors. Those who are lazy create poor environments and potentially get poor. But those who are good in their work ethic, who work hard, will be blessed. Another great passage jumps down to, go ahead to the next one. Proverbs 21, 25 says, despite their desires, the lazy will come to ruin for their hands refuse to work. So even though they have the desire of getting money, even though they have the desire maybe to move up in their company that they're working in, even though they have the desire to create a good environment, their behavior, their ethic doesn't match belief or their belief is really not focused on the blessings. I worked with a guy, his name was Chris. This was back when I was working in a warehouse for a while. 
And Chris helped me to learn a special word. You see, in this fact, or this uh, warehouse that I worked, there were a lot of Spanish-speaking individuals, and I don't speak Spanish. Matter of fact, sometimes I struggle speaking English, but, but because I was working this in an environment with a lot of Spanish-speaking individuals, I started to learn a few Spanish words, and Chris helped me to learn one of those Spanish words. The word was this, baño. Who knows what baño means? Bathroom, yeah. Well, Chris had this ethic that even though he knew the job really well, even though he had the desire to move up in the company, he had this ethic that had him in the bathroom, like an eight hour workday, at minimum, he was in the bathroom or the baño for an hour, at minimum. And so the supervisors would come around and, and they would say, where's Chris? And we'd just all, even if he was out on the floor working somewhere, we'd start laughing and saying, probably the baño, check the baño. And we would just laugh about that because here was a man who had the opportunity to do well, but, and he had the desires to do well, but he didn't believe that a good work ethic would play out in those desires. And because of that, it came to ruin. He missed out on the better blessed life because of how he worked his ethic. For those who work hard with a great work ethic, they find blessings. But those who don't miss out on those blessings. Number three, whoop, yep, there it is. An attitude of gratitude blesses God. Now this is something that we should all have as Christians, shouldn't it? Just walking through life with an attitude of gratitude. I mean, if God loves us unconditionally, as we say here every week at New Life, if we truly believe that, if we believe that God went to that cross in our place, died the death that we deserve, if he rose from the dead to give us that gift of eternal life, and then he gives us the Holy Spirit to bless us on this journey, shouldn't we therefore walk through life and yes, into our workplaces with just this attitude of gratitude? You know, over these last four weeks about the movies, I've had this certain movie character on my mind. Maybe some of you remember this guy. As I've been thinking about him, you know, it reminded me of how he in his movie had this attitude. He just lived life in a special way, just being appreciative of life. And yes, even in his work. Check this out. Now, because I've been a football star and a war hero and national celebrity and a shrimp and boat captain, a college graduate this city falls of greenbow alabama decided to get together and offered me a fine job so uh, i never went back to work for lieutenant dan though he did take care of my bubba gump money he got me invested in some kind of fruit company and so then i got a call from him saying we don't have to worry about money no more and i said that's good one less thing now, Mama said there's only so much fortune a man really needs, and the rest is just for showing off. So, I gave a whole bunch of it to the Four Square Gospel Church, and I gave a whole bunch to the Biola Battery Fishing Hospital. And because I was a gozillionaire and I liked doing it so much, I cut that grass for free. He just lived with this attitude of gratitude. Now, I don't know that Forrest was a Christian. We never really learned that in the movie, but he just exemplified. Yes, even in his work, cutting grass. 
but yet he looked at the opportunity to work as an opportunity, something that he should just be thankful for during his life. Well, what does the Apostle Paul have to share with us as far as this attitude? How can we live our lives? In Philippians chapter two, he shares this. Dear friends, work hard. Okay, doing what? To show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Now, what Paul is not saying is he's not saying that we need to work hard to get our salvation. That can't happen because God already did all of that work. He's the one that went to the cross in our place. He's the one that died that death. He rose from the grave and he then gives us the ongoing saving grace of the Holy Spirit in us, changing us after our lives are focused more and more on God. So if that's the case, if God has already saved us for those who accepted Christ, then how do we respond to that gift that he has given us? How do we move forward in this life? Well, Paul says, you need to obey. Or in other words, you need to live the life that God places in front of you. You need to follow Jesus and live the life the way Jesus shows you to live because that's gonna be the better life. And how do we do that? We do it with an attitude of gratitude. Paul says, with reverence and fear. It's simply a life that recognizes the goodness of God that is poured out into our lives. And we live in awe with an attitude of gratitude saying, God, I wanna walk with you now because of what you have first done for me. And some of you might be saying, I just don't know how to do that though. Well, here's the good news. Paul says, chillax, you're not on your own. He says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire. That's the Holy Spirit of God that he places in our heart, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God helps you to know as you continue to stay focused on God and, and dive into your word and pray and, and worship here on Sunday mornings, God says, I'm going to keep helping you to better know how to live that life of Christ. And as you live that life of Christ, then, okay, let's go into our workplace now. How do we more specifically play this in, out in our work that we do? Paul says this, do everything, uh-oh, without complaining and arguing. Oh, we all do that, right? Not one of us complain or argue here. Uh, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. See, people who don't know God, people who have not received that gift of God, they're living for themselves. They are people who are more focused on numero uno. There's another one of those Spanish words that I learned in the warehouse. They are always living more of a selfish nature, looking out, how do I get mine? Looking out for me, me, me. And because of that, when something's not going their way in their work, what do they begin to do? They begin to complain. They begin to argue to try to get more for themselves. But for those who know Jesus, we look at life differently. We look at life the way Jesus looked at us, sacrificially. He went to the cross in our place. So if we are following Jesus, we go into our workplaces with an attitude of gratitude, not saying, what about me? Not complaining, not arguing, saying, give me more. But we go in selflessly, sacrificially, longing to create, longing to give honor to God, longing to look at 
our work as a gift from God. And as we do that, we begin to do, he says that we are children of God. No, don't go that yet. We are children of God. And because, well, we begin to look more like God. The other day, Karen looked at one of my pictures that I had of Daniel. And she said, as she compared it with one of my pictures from when back in black and white photos, of course, back when I was growing up. And she said, boy, Daniel is looking more and more like you. Well, if we are children of God, then we are hopefully, as we become more and more like Christ, people are starting to say, you are looking just like your heavenly father, more selfless, more sacrificial in how you live and how you work. And in doing that, we are shining Christ into our workplaces. You know, as we go through our lives, we have to look at work as a gift from God. And as we look at that gift from God, we then hopefully will take a great work ethic into our places because there we will be blessed and we will bless God if we have this attitude of gratitude. One last thought I'll share with you as you head out into this week, heading back to our work, is this understanding that's been handed down throughout the ages in church life. It's this idea of coram deo. Say those words with me, coram deo. Now you're all Latin scholars just because you now know those words. Well, what does coram deo mean? It means this. It means that we are walking in the presence of God or before the eyes of God. It's the understanding that when we walk into the life that's in front of us, that God is with us. He's not just here on a Sunday morning, but instead, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, as we go out into our day, as we go out into our places of work, God is there. Now, some of you are thinking, wait, does that mean God is there looking at me and poking me and saying, you better get things right. And if you don't, I'm going to poke you again. No, that's not God. But instead, God is there wanting to let us be reminded God, God loves us and he is there for us. And he wants to encourage us to live the best life. And it was a a couple years ago, before my son Andrew went off to college, he used to be up here on the drums and helping to lead worship. And I used to love those mornings because number one, I loved watching my son play drums because he was pretty good at it. But also because a lot of times during worship, he'd be right there in the middle of worship playing the drums. And all of a sudden he would look over to where I was sitting. And because he wanted to see, is my dad watching me? Is he noticing me? And in those moments, man, we would lock eyes. And in that moment, man, I would just get a big grin on my face and I would just give him a little nod and say, yeah, I see you. You're my boy. That's Coram Deo. That's how God is with you. As you go into your days, as you're there at your places of work, whether it's in your home, whether it's at your school, whether it's in your place of work, there's God. The eyes of God are upon you and he is there loving you, caring for you, wanting to walk with you on your journey. Work, it's a gift from God. A good work ethic will bring blessings to you and to others and an attitude of gratitude. Man, it just blesses God. So it's Labor Day weekend. People, get to work. God, we give you thanks. On this Labor Day weekend, when we are celebrating work, we are thankful, God, for your wisdom that you share with us this day to remind us that we were created on purpose 
for a purpose, that you have given us the gift of this world and an opportunity to oversee it, that you've given us the power of your Holy Spirit to teach us and to show us what a good work ethic looks like, and that, God, you have reminded us over and over again that you love us, you share grace with us, and you long to walk a journey of faith with us. God, we give you thanks for each and every one of us in this room as we're trying to figure out what does our next day look like. We thank you, God, that we get to live it with your eyes, O Heavenly Father, upon us. Thank you, God. In your holy name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.